0: I love Baptism Sunday. Who loves Baptism Sundays? I just love it because it is such a wonderful moment for us to celebrate uh, as a church family, as a church community together, um, lives transformed by Jesus. And uh, if you've come along with one of the guys getting baptised today, maybe friends and family, uh, you are really welcome. We love it that you're here with us today. And uh, we hope that you can see we're quite relaxed, so we hope you feel relaxed uh, too. But today across all of our three gatherings, we have 18 people getting baptised, which is amazing. Isn't it amazing? I'm excited. Um, And... um, They are all getting baptised today uh, because they want to stand up in front of all of you to say, I am all in for Jesus. I have chosen to follow him. I'm going to run after him with my whole life. And that is what they're doing today as they get um, baptised. And uh, baptism uh, is a wonderful reminder for all of us of what God does to us and what God does for us, through the cross, through Jesus. And uh, if you've never been to church before, if you've never been to a baptism before, you might think this is all a little bit weird. Why would a room of a few hundred people sing a load of songs and then gather around what looks like a glorified hot tub at the front here, um, and, uh, and then get dunked under the water in front of you all. In a minute, they are going to jump in this pool, and there is nothing special about this water. I can confirm it is Grey Cane Road, Watford water, which at the 9.15 had been, had been warmed to a lovely, gentle 30 degrees. I am sorry for those of you going in now. It may be down to about 25 now, but I did just feel it. It still feels quite nice. Um, and so you might be thinking, well, why, why, would, why would these guys do this? Why do they want to jump in front of a pool in front of all these people? Well, simply put, as Christians, we are commanded to be baptised in Scripture. And in Acts 2, verse 38, it says this. Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And so as these guys get baptised today, it is an outward sign of an inward transformation that has taken place. Each of them are choosing today just to say, Jesus, I am sorry for the things in my life which have separated me from you. And today I am choosing to follow you with everything. I'm going to run after you. And so as we dunk these guys under the water, it's, it's almost like a symbol of they go down and it's this washing, this cleansing, this dying to their old life and then rising again into new life with Jesus. And uh, it's a reminder, it's an image uh, which reminds us of the cross. Jesus going to the cross, dying on the cross, into the tomb, and then rising three days again later into new life. Be assured, we will not hold them underwater for three days today. Uh, you will come up swiftly. Um, but it's a celebration. And then and then, just as that scripture that Daisy just read, there was a party in heaven when that lost sheep was found. And today is a celebration. And after we've baptised these guys, we're going to celebrate and sing and rejoice that these guys have found Jesus. This is a celebration. So why get baptised? Why get baptised? Well, when we talk about uh, being baptised and coming to God, who is this God that we're coming to? Who is this God that we're talking about? Who are these guys choosing to get dunked in this pool in front of all of you lot. Who is he? Well, we just read that that story, that parable of the lost sheep a few moments ago. And this story just gives us a brilliant picture of why we get baptised and who we are committing ourselves, who these guys are committing themselves to today. And uh, Jesus was the best storyteller because Stories are powerful, they, they help us to, to visualize and contextualize our own lives and, and put it into, into context. And I don't know about you, but if something happens in your life, um, you often then just go and tell your friends and family what happened. And you tell it in a story, don't you? You go down to the pub or you see your friends and you tell stories. And um, this morning I thought I might tell you the story of my baptism. Um, many years ago, I was baptized when I was 10 in 1986. Some of you were doing the mental maths. Some of you are shocked that you cannot believe that I was 10 in 1986. I was. Um, And I could just tell you um, I got baptised when I was 10. Great story. Um, Or I could tell you a little bit more about my baptism and just bring it to life to bring you to that place. Now, I got baptised at Garston Church just down the road on St. Albans Road. And, um... Baptism services were always like the height of celebration. And uh, the place would be packed. All the kids, all us kids would be there and we'd be around what was um, a pool underneath the floor. And at the moment that the baptisms would uh, about to begin, um, I don't know why it was, but eight men, strong men from the church, would arrive to lift the lids off. I think many ladies could have lifted it as two, but back then the men came down and they lifted these lids off and they all kind of marched out down a corridor and left them. And uh, the last panel got lifted and uh, there was one guy on one side of the pool and another guy on the other. And normally they would do the shuffle around the pool to make sure nobody fell in. But the last panel, the guy over there just went for the door. Guy here ends up in pool. <laughs> Honestly, it was, the, it was the funniest, funniest moment because he couldn't swim. And so instead of standing up, he was just flailing around on top of the water. His wife was screaming, he can't swim, he can't swim. So there was all this panic and then someone jumped in and rescued him. He hadn't realized that actually if he'd just stood up, he'd have realized it's only three foot deep. I mean, just... <laughs> Stand up, man. Anyway, um, I had to listen to the tape because I was getting the date of my baptism when I was getting ordained, and the pastor then got up and said, uh, let's pray for our dear brother. So, uh, and I think he had like scuffed his shin and all that sort of stuff, but that was my baptism um, many years ago. Um, And I remember it fondly, not just because I got baptised, because of that moment, it always makes me smile. Uh, But so this is why Jesus tells stories. Um, stories help us to visualize and understand things so much easier, like the story about this lost sheep. This story shows us who we are, and it shows us who God is. And uh, in this story, it's, it's really, really simple. Um, we've got a shepherd He's got 100 sheep. One of them goes missing. He goes out and he finds the sheep. And then he brings it back and they have a party. And maybe you're thinking today, how on earth has a story like that got anything to do with me, my life, or the world, or who I am? Well, firstly, it might be helpful to understand who we are, who you are in this story. And uh, I'm sorry to tell you, You are the lost sheep. And I know some of you may already be a little bit offended that you've come to church and uh, you are now being compared to as a sheep. Very sorry. And you might be asking yourself, I I don't want to be described as a sheep. I would rather be described as a strong, roaring lion. Or, I don't know, a cute very bright little puppy or something like that, but not a sheep. Why a sheep? Well, the reason is, and again, I don't want to offend anybody in the room, but sheep are stupid. I'm, I'm really sorry. I don't want to offend you. If this is your first time, please do come back. You're very welcome. Um, but if you've ever watched Clarkson's Farm and the episode Sheeping, you will know Sheep are stupid. Who's watched Clarkson's Fun? I just love it. It's just great. If you haven't watched it, it's brilliant telly. I know some of you are thinking, I hate Jeremy Clarkson. But in this, he is very good. Um, Anyway, sheep are stupid. And they do whatever they want. They go wherever they want. Uh, They get into trouble. They get sick. They escape. They jump over walls. They end up on motorways with, with, with cars flying past them. Sheep are stupid. You can't domesticate them. They have wandering minds. They're independent, and if they go off on their own, the likelihood is they will die because they cannot protect or defend themselves on their own. They need everything done for them. And in this story, it's not just a happy little sheep munching away on some lush green grass in a field. To make matters worse, this is a lost sheep. We are lost sheep. And I'm sure many of us have had times in our lives when we have got lost. Now, I often tell stories of our adventurous and often disastrous road trips. You were going to get another one this morning. Uh, and I can assure you that not all of our trips end up this way, but this was just another one that happened to end up disastrously. But eight years ago, we decided to drive 1,000 miles to Italy. And uh, we thought, well, we'll leave a little bit late, because the kids were a little bit smaller. So we left late in the evening, and we went through the tunnel, and then we got into, into France. And stupidly, like a sheep, I had decided not to spend the money on roaming charges for my Google Maps, and that I would rely on the out-of-date sat-nav in my car. Don't do it. I just say, don't do it. And we, would th- we thought, well, we can, we can manage this. We'll get, through, we'll get through Europe all the way down to Italy on this, uh, on this old SatNav. Well, a little more than 70 miles into our trip, we were utterly, utterly lost. In fact, we could see roads on this side of the SatNav, and we were in the middle of a field on our SatNav uh, in the middle of the French. Wilderness? Is there wilderness in France? I don't know. But in this occasion, it, was, it felt like wilderness. It was in the dark. Anyway, the kids were asleep um, blissfully in the back, totally unaware of our lostness, if that's a word. And um, Claire and I were very stressed in the front, very stressed. And uh, I can only describe our conversation as a lively discussion. <laughs> it was a fairly lively discussion loud discussion. I'm amazed the kids actually slept through it, but they did, remarkably. And uh, it was all about our out-of-date satnav. It was also about my stupidity for not buying the extra roaming charges for Google Maps. And uh, in that moment, I did not want to admit um, that we were lost. As far as I was concerned, we were temporarily misplaced <laughs> in the French wilderness. Um, and... Uh, it was actually for about an hour or two that we had no idea where we were. And uh, I didn't want to admit that I was wrong. I did not want to admit uh, that we had got lost. Um, I didn't want to admit that I had made a mistake. And uh, I can tell you that in this story, no one came to rescue us. We were on our own. But uh, we did eventually get found. I'm here today. <laughs> Thank you. You didn't sound that pleased. So, But that's OK. Um, but the reality is um, human nature, uh, we, as, as humans, as people, we hate to admit that we are wrong. Hate, I hate to admit I'm wrong. Um, ask Claire it's one of the things that she finds most annoying about me is I don't admit I'm wrong some of the time. And uh, that can be for a variety of reasons. Um, often pride. We don't like to admit we're wrong because of pride. Um, Maybe we don't want to admit uh, we're weak. Um, Maybe we don't want to admit that we need help. Um, And so this is what we do. We, We just keep going. We keep going, and we just hope that around the corner there might be this silver bullet that will just fix everything, um, that will come along and make life better. Maybe a new job, or, or maybe a promotion, or maybe a cure to the thing that we're just struggling with, maybe an illness that we're facing. Maybe some extra money to land in the bank account, which would just make things so much easier. And what we end up doing is we continue on this roundabout of life, going round and round and round and round, hoping that change will come. But the reality is we go round and round and round and round and nothing changes because the truth is we are lost. And what Jesus says is that we are lost without him. Without him, we are lost. So what this story does is it holds up uh, like a reflection to us of our own lives. And it's, and it's an uncomfortable reaction, uh, reflection because the reality is that we're lost. Um, and this story shows us what we are like, but it also goes on to show us what God is like. And in this story, God is the shepherd. And uh, for some of us, we, we may have believed or have, we have believed that Christianity uh, is about working our way to God. Maybe thinking that it's our effort by the things that we do, by doing this, doing that, being good, obeying this rule, obeying that rule in order that God might be interested in us. But the message of Jesus is so, so different. It is so different. Knowing Jesus isn't about what we do. It's not about earning his love or his approval. Knowing Jesus is about what he does for us, what he does for you. Jesus pursues us. He pursues you. And just like in this story, the, the, the sheep gets lost, uh, and the shepherd pursues it, and the sheep finds it. And uh, as I was thinking about um, the lost... This, this story of the lost sheep, I was thinking about my own three kids. And um, there were occasions when they were small that we misplaced them. <laughs> uh, stop judging me. I know you're judging me because I'm sure there are a few of you in the room that have lost your own kids at times. Come on, own up. How many of you have lost your kids from time? to Look, see? We're together. Yay. Come on. Um, now, now... Now our misplacing of our children, I can't talk for the others in the room that have misplaced theirs, but was more down to distraction and carelessness. Um, And if I'm really honest, it's probably my my, uh, distraction and carelessness, never Claire's. She is a primary school teacher. And if you were a teacher, you know the main job of any teacher is don't lose the children. I mean it's like job description number one isn 't it? Just don 't lose the children. so it 's mainly been me um, and um, this 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 story, this picture of Jesus in this story, is a little bit like um, me and Claire losing Toby in Watford, and uh, and then the two of us running around. Watford, trying to find him, running through the shopping center, running through Primark, trying to get through that very long queue that people, you know, it's awful, isn't it, the queue in Primark? Who agrees Yes, it's it's not good, is it? Trying to get through that queue, looking for Toby, and then leaving Rosie and Jessie on their own in the middle of Watford um, to defend themselves when they're sort of five and two or something. And it would just be reckless of us. It would be so stupid. And, um, these days, it is the other way around when we go into town with the kids. They try and lose us. Seriously. (laughs) Seriously, the other day, we were in town. All three of us, all five of us went in, and uh, they literally told us to walk, like, 10 meters behind them, even, like, the escalators. Like, you wait there until we're halfway down, and then you can walk. Seriously. Um, But anyway, there's, it would be reckless if we left the girls on their own whilst we were out looking for Toby. And, um... There's this song that we sometimes sing, and it's called The Reckless Love of God. And the words are based on this passage in Luke 15. And the chorus says this. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still you give yourself away, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. And when we think about God's love, I'm sure the word reckless isn't the first thing that would come to your mind. Um, and to many of us, the word reckless describes um, someone who does something Dangerous, without, without any care of how it might affect someone else, like someone cutting you up on the, the Asda roundabout in order to get around it quicker, or just doing something that's just dangerous, taking an unnecessary risk. And I'm not sure any of us would say that God is reckless. In fact, the dictionary defines the word reckless as this, to be without thinking or caring, about the personal consequences of an action. God is not reckless, but the way he loves is reckless. And he is utterly, utterly, utterly unconcerned with the consequences of his his actions in terms of his own safety, well-being, and comfort. You know, this, this sheep is lost. The shepherd runs out into the dangers of the night, into the wilderness, to find this sheep, utterly unconcerned about the impact or the danger that he might be putting himself in. Why bother? Why bother? He had 99 other sheep who would make fabulous woolly jumpers. Why leave them for the one? Why risk the others? And it's not that the others weren't important. They are. He loved all of those sheep that this sheep was lost. This sheep was vulnerable. He bothered because this sheep mattered. He loved that little sheep. If we had lost Toby that day in the Harlequin, which we didn't, it's not called the Harlequin anymore. I always forget what they call it because they keep changing the name. But if we had lost him that day... um, I wouldn't have just said to Claire, oh, well, we've got Jesse and Rosie. They eat far less. They, they're a lot tidier. Um, and actually, having a spare bedroom back would be really useful for when we got friends over. No, I would, have, I would have chased and chased and searched and searched and searched until I found him because he is my son and I love him. I would have searched everywhere. And it's the same for you guys. He chases you. He pursues you because you matter. He loves you. God never puts himself first. His love isn't selfish. He doesn't wonder what he might lose or what he might gain. He simply gives himself away on the off chance that one of us may turn round and offer ourselves to him in return for his love and that's the story of christianity god comes looking for us he will recklessly chase us down until he finds us in order to find us god comes looking for us he comes looking for you so why why so why would he why would he chase us down why does god pursue you why does he pursue us well we see in this story, the shepherd finds the sheep and then he joyfully picks up the sheep and he, and he carries this little woolly bundle back home. And uh, now if it was one of my kids that I'd lost, and I'm sure you guys might be the same, but I would, I would say, stand there, do not move again. I don't want to lose you again. If you, if you move again, there will be no sweets for the rest of your life. But this shepherd... Is different this shepherd is so different this shepherd has a party this sheep is found and he has a party which is a little bit crazy isn't it when you think about it he's got a 100 sheep and he decides to hold a party for this little fluffy bundle and um and it made me just sort of think it is my neighbors have a little dog and um Sometimes this little dog is a little bit noisy. I don't feel huge love for it because often it goes out in the garden at two in the morning and yaps very loudly. Um, but if they were to lose their little dog, um, they would put out a search party to find the dog. They'd put it on the street WhatsApp, they'd put it on Facebook. The dog's lost. They would be out searching and searching and searching for their dog. And then they would find it and they would bring it home. And again, there would be another message on the street WhatsApp. Who still gets loads of messages on their street WhatsApp? I know I do. But they would put another message out on the street WhatsApp saying, let's have a party. The dog is home. The champagne is on ice. You are all welcome. We would think they had gone crazy. It's just a little dog. But this little dog is their dog. And they love that dog. And that's the point of this story. It's not our sheep. It's not our sheep. It's the shepherd's sheep. And he cares for that little sheep. He loves it. And he will do anything he can to find it. Another way the Bible paints a picture of, of who God is, is he's our father. And we are his children, we are his kids. And when we're lost, when we are far from him, he will recklessly pursue us to find us. In fact, he would give his life, and he did give his life for us. This is the message of Christianity. This is the message of Jesus. Jesus recklessly pursues us, recklessly pursues you, because you mean everything to him. Amen.